Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Law Firms and Finance Show. And today we have a great guest because we are talking about something that every law firm should be considering. And that is how secure is your data, your information, and really, do you have the right protections against internet crimes? Now, what we know is that there's so much data coming into our business. There is so much that we are handling that belongs to our clients. There's sensitive data. And the question is, are you properly protected? Well, if you've been wondering that question, you want to stay tuned for today's show because we have a great guest and we're going to dive into that topic. Stay tuned. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest. Dylan, how are you today? Doing fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it is a pleasure to finally connect to have you on the show. Um, now, you and I, we we connected on LinkedIn. And I want to talk about this a little bit more because I was very impressed by the way that you connected, considering mm-hmm. I get a ton of connection requests every day, um, mostly people trying to sell something. Um, So I was very impressed by the way you connected. But for those that aren't familiar with you, can you share a little bit about your background? Sure. I am a thoughtful guy. I get grief about this a lot because a lot of people don't want to go into that, the why of the things they do. They they like the what. They like um, seeing uh, lists of features and I, I get into the why. I ask hard questions about like, what do you really want? How, what is important to you? Um, and what I realized over the course of my career is I started in that technical space. I moved into that management space. And what I realized was that a lot of businesses are being poorly served by the security industry because most of what we do, uh, most of the cyber tech world or most of the audit world are focused on delivering legal defensibility and uh, and compliance. Uh, and because the criminal attack methods and, and the strategies that are effective move a bit faster than legal precedent gets established, those end up being two different sets of things. If you want compliance, I got a lot of referrals. If you want effectively uh, effective crime defense, we focus on uh, delivering that. Nice. You know, I I love that because I think so many people just are unprepared for, I mean, how to even protect themselves. I mean, some people, they don't even understand the level of, you know, risk exposure that they have when it comes to internet crime. So I guess, you know, how did you even get into this field? Mm -hmm. Um, I came up through the Fortune 500 route and uh, and it was just something I I felt strongly and passionately about. Uh, If you have been the victim of internet crime, there's a pretty decent chance that the funds you lost ended up funding North Korea's nuclear weapon program. A lot of people don't realize that. And um, they they uh, do not, they, they think about it from their, their angle. And uh, I'm, I'm about protecting um, 
people from from getting their business ended. Gotcha. No, that that's awesome. So one of the things that I think about is, you know, when it comes down to internet crime, I mean, so many, you know, law firms are handling tons of, you know, their own data, tons of data for clients and stuff. So, you know, if you were talking to a law firm of just trying to help them put in perspective, like, you know, what are the possible types of internet crimes that they can be exposed to? What would be some of the ones that come to mind? There's two for most law firms and, and your listeners probably have a good sense of which apply to them. Um, number one is uh, trust account disbursements. Uh, so if you, if you do this little um, thought, thought experiment, what would happen if, a, uh, if your firm was tricked into uh, dispersing funds from a trust account to um, a criminal and could not recover it? And what would happen to you? So if, if that is scary, like don't, I, po- uh, podcast isn't over. We will probably talk about some, some things you can do, but uh, um, there's some, some great, uh, great options. The second major one is losing client data. And, and for some people, this doesn't matter. I mean, if you're a bankruptcy lawyer, like everything you file is public anyway. Um, but commercial law, especially, uh, if, if everything about a matter that your firm maintained was stolen and sold to an unscrupulous uh, party, what would happen? What would happen to you? Wow. You know, that that's very interesting to think about because, you know, you know, not that you want to be so pessimistic and down in the dump, but I mean, it is something to consider because, you know, it's happened to probably far too many people that have been unprepared for a situation like that. So I guess, you know, without giving us, you know, any legal advice or specific advice, sure. are there any kind of like general things that you usually see like, hey, when if to, I guess, protect yourself, some general kind of coverage or, hey, what are some best practices of things mm-hmm. they can do to make that less likely of something that happens to them? Sure. So let's start with the why. Like what's in it for criminals? They're mostly after money, like or, or secrets they can turn into money. Um. So they're going to do this in two ways. One, they're going to try to impersonate you uh, or they're going to impersonate your staff. They're going to impersonate your client, your uh, opposing counsel, their clients, any, any sort of trusted business relationship where there's something of value being exchanged. They're going to try to get it in the middle and take it. Um, and the second major way is they're going to uh, go after your systems. They're going to try to trick your systems. And there's, way too many ways to trick systems for us to get into detail here. And honestly, n- none of you guys should take the time to uh, to, to get into that detail. Um, delegate that stuff. Uh, but um, within those two methods, they, they're gonna, there, there are three easy ways to address them, both like strategies that you can take now that'll keep working even even as the particulars of the security industry and that cat and mouse game change. Um, One of them, probably the the initial one, and I think you'll appreciate this, is just process. 
Think about what are the risky activities your firm does. Um, we talked. We talked about trust fund, trust account disbursements. We talked about talked about client files. Firms have a bunch. You think about M and A attorneys, um, and um, you think about just commercial litigation. There are some sensitive actions that people in a firm take. Um, identify them, and think about. How can you change them to make them resistant to a criminal getting in and tricking people? Uh, and then how do you make sure that the changes you make continue? Uh, and, and how do you govern them? How do you make them consistent? Uh, because it'll be six months from now when you're not thinking about it, that that change you made is going to be important. Gotcha. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, so when it comes down to, you know, internet crimes i mean i guess you know for the average person they're probably thinking that you know oh we don't have to worry about that because you know we use a a business the business version of microsoft or hey we have the business version of google uh or a google workspace so they manage that or hey we're using this law practice management software they have their own security team like do you feel like people having that mindset leaves them to be more vulnerable or is it are they justified in relying on those bigger companies um, and their security measures? Well, I think it's both. Um, there is certainly a lot of tech detail that, that's relevant there. But one of the biggest misconceptions of the security industry is that you can fix it with tech. I mean, honestly, for any of us, when was the last time you had a big problem, like a, a meaningful risk, and you were able to mostly fix it with tech? Hmm. For most of us, like process is a good chunk, training is a good chunk, governance, making sure people are doing, still doing things the right way is a good chunk. Now they need a platform, but and, and they're, they're important parts of that. But people often want, want a one and done solution. And, and so they buy like a box that, that lights up and blinks and they put it on their shelf and they feel good. <laughs> or like some sort of antivirus thing that like, you know, hasn't worked since 2007. Um, most of the risk today is not technical. Gotcha. You know, and that's an interesting thing because I mean, I, I guess when... when when that reality sets in for people aware is because I, I tell people, even from a finance standpoint, like, you know, the technology you implement isn't going to make, you know, isn't going to make your business profitable. Um, all it's going to do is highlight your underlying processes. So if you have some bad underlying processes, the software is just going to make it more visible um, and it's just going to make it visible faster. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, having processes in place or, you talk about training, like, you know, do you have any thoughts or or have you seen any best practices on like how frequently people should be, you know, reviewing their their training, whether it's for themselves or for their staff on like, hey, here are the security protocols we need to have in place. A lot of compliance people say yearly. Um, I think it should be more frequent than that. Uh, if 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 this sort of risk is a meaningful uh, 
possibility for your business. And that that's often law firms. I mean, think, think about a manufacturer. You, you make like, I don't know, copper pipes or something. You got inventory. Okay. Your biggest risk is ransomware because your plant's going to shut down. You can't ship product. Okay. A cyber policy is probably going to make you whole. As long as you can get back going again and in time to like fulfill the orders you committed before people like leave, uh, you're still, you're going to be fine. But if trust is your major currency in your business, like for commercial law practices or even, you know, fractional uh, CFOs, like you probably depend quite a bit on trust. Once trust is damaged, that can be a big revenue loss uh, going forward and, and no policy is going to fix that. I'm a big fan of like the, the continuous improvement approach uh, and uh, as opposed to like the capitalized, like let's do a big project every five years. Um, often, often continuous improvement and just like thinking, well, what's the next right thing for us to do ends up yielding much better long-term results uh, than, than the, you know, visualizing and trying to achieve utopia approach. You know, I think that makes a really good point because as you were thinking, one of the things that came to mind and is, you know, for any problem that is a huge risk to the your livelihood, if someone told you like, hey, you're only going to get training on this once a year, most people would probably be like, that's probably not enough. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so this is one of the best things you can do. And, and this is actually where I and, and uh, compliance programs overlap um, is phishing programs. And, and if you do this right, you can gamify it and like stand up the winner winning department at like the, the company picnic and give them extra popsicles. Like it doesn't cost a lot. Um, but you, you fish them, you send them criminal messages and you see who falls for them and whoever fall. And when they fall for them, they have to watch some dumb video about like <laughs> fishing prevention. And honestly, like they're not going to pay attention to the video, but they're going to care and they're going to go on the leaderboard and Peggy is going to give them grief about it for dragging the score down. And that's what you want. You know, I, that that is pretty funny. I mean, it, it, funny and but effective because, you know, I, I think to what you're saying is that it, it kind of changes the culture, especially when mm -hmm. it becomes a common conversation among the team. I can really see that, you know, really taking on a, a point where people really are looking out for phishing emails because, I mean, even like last week or no, it was two weeks ago. Um I got an email about a conference that I'm speaking at and they were asking about, you know, they were going to plan on scheduling the travel dates. And, you know, within two days, I got this email of like, hey, we're ready to book your travel bookings. Um, what are your arrival dates and stuff? And so I emailed them back and put my arrival dates. And I was like, you know what? Something about that doesn't seem right. So I emailed the organizer and said, hey, did you guys send an email from such and such platform? They're like, no, that's probably a scam or something. And I'm just like, man, had I not like just had some like something seems off about this. And then what was mm -hmm. funny is the next email they reply back is, 
hey, we need your address and all this other. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna ask for your bank account number next. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the thing with email is it is so easy to get tricked over email. Like, if if your email gets broken into, um, someone someone can really effectively impersonate you because they can go look at your past history and how you've interacted with someone before, right? So managing partner's email gets broken into, they can see how this person authorizes large transactions. And they can go ask the office manager in exactly the same way. And they can keep deleting the responses from the office manager so the managing partner doesn't even see any of it. Um, wow. And so a lot of what we do, I mean, it sounds kind of techie. Some people might say it's techie, but just if you stop using email for sensitive or, or risky activity, like maybe you put all your everything in, in under attorney-client privilege in the practice management software, like some of them, Clio, best um, best case, have, have great client portals. Um, and you just keep it out of email, man, that helps a ton. Or any sort of cost approvals or finance approvals do not go through email. They go through your finance platform. Gotcha. You know, that's a very important one because um, I, I've had to tell a couple clients like when they've been hiring and they reach out to us like, hey, can we help set this employee up? And um, they'll say, hey, I, I'll send you their, their, their application. I was like, no, do not put that in email. <laughs> I'm like, you do not want to put their personal information in email. I'm like, if need be, I'll pick up the phone and call you um to get it before i want you to put their social security number and email in and i think for so many people it's just like they look at the convenience of email and they're just like oh yeah i'll just send it and like and i think we forget about the level of risk that come with that mm -hmm. i think we i think a lot of the times we just don't talk about it um i think i mean have have a heart for the poor security industry they have been blamed for all the problems. Like you, you, you give sales credit for everything right, right that happens and, and, and security blame for everything wrong that happens. And why are you surprised when the security department always says no? <laughs> and this culture has embodied like the defensibility approach. And I think like stepping forward and giving people better solutions that, that work for them is, is kind of a new idea for a lot of security folks. Um, they're a lot happier in that engineering encryption and network stuff um, that, that honestly is, is a very small segment of your risk. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now, what, one of the things that I'm also curious about is when it comes down to a lot of these new applications that pop up, because you mentioned about, you know, for law firms like Clio has really good um, practice or client portal. So when it comes down to a lot of these newer platforms that come out, whether it's an application, they're, they're, they're doing some type of integration. Are there do you have any thoughts on like, you know, how do you even know if that's a secure platform or right. um, how do you even know like which ones are safe and which ones are not? Yeah. Well, the first one, don't roll your own, right? Like 
if you have a choice between using an online port portal and like a server in your basement, do the online one because IT is a is a discipline of a million details done right. And like you're never going to be good, as good as like the Clio IT team at, at right protecting it. Um, but how like you asked a really good question. How do you detect the difference in strength between products, online products? And this is hard. To someone who knows what they're, you know, who's been around the block a bunch, it's not hard. But like, so so I got, but but how do you how do you uh, deliver that insight at scale? I have three ways. One, just Google them, like put the name of the company and then breach. And if you see like three events in the news, that's bad. <laughs> it happens more often than you think. Um, second, there are free like vendor lookup tools and they'll scan everything about a company and they'll, they'll keep updated on all the bad stuff that just happened last week. And they will test that company against all the bad stuff. And they'll give you like a, a rating or a grade for that company. Um, uh, there are two um, uh, security scorecard and risk recon have free tiers. Um, I have a better sense of the accuracy of, of security scorecard. Both of these companies like that. You should not take this at face value. Take it with a grain of salt. Um, sometimes they get stuff wrong. Um, but it's it, like that can get you really far. And then the third way is look up, look up if they have a bug bounty program on um, uh, um, what is it? I just Google like bug bounty in the name of the company. And if they have one, uh, that's a really good sign, too. OK, awesome. Well, definitely. Thank you for the insight. Now, you know, for people who are like, you know, what? all right, I'm. I'm just concerned. I need some help. Like I, I want someone who has experience to help me mm -hmm. kind of navigate and look at this. So, you know, is if someone's looking for that type of service or that type of consult or support, you know, where is a good place for them to find you online? Sure. Um, so we, we do, we stop internet crime. Uh, yep. There's our website. Um, we have, uh, because we care about stopping crime, uh, for businesses who are going to be ended by it, we created a service for them, a one-time thing. Uh, so for about maybe a firm of, of, uh, 10, it, it might take two hours of your time and it explains how worried you should be and what you should do about it. Um, in, in non-technical strategic ways, uh, no nerds required. Um, because we like you guys, um, just um, we'll we'll give uh, two thousand off for uh, for listeners uh, who sign up in the next month. Just mention Terrell in the uh, in the intake. Um, that's the checkup service. Uh, link will be in the description. You can cut that. Um, we also provide for larger firms ongoing like strategy and risk advisory in a much deeper, much more metric heavy way. Um, 
uh, providing leaders and advisors to the degree they want in kind of an ongoing uh, engagement. Nice. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, one final question I love asking every guest that comes on is, you know, let's say you're having a conversation with someone and, you know, you tell them, hey, I was on the law firm and finance show with Terrell Turner. And hey, you should go back and listen to the conversation I had with Terrell. And hey, here are two big takeaways you should leave with that mm-hmm. conversation. So what would your two big takeaways you would tell people to listen for? Mm-hmm. For people who depend on trust, internet crime is a bigger risk than you think. It's, it's underreported. Um, and the second thing, it's easier to solve than most people make it out to be. It doesn't have to be technical. Um, some solid process design, some solid alerts, some good delegation will get you really far. Awesome. I love it. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for coming on. And for those that are listening, can you repeat your website one more time? Simple-salt.com. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure having you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Terrell.